When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you, Vanessa. Breakfast on SEM with thanks to Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. Now, Fletcher, raging poll today. Mm. You're talking about if you were Mitchell Moses and forgetting all factors, no money, none of that, you just want to win the comp. Are you better off going or staying at Parramatta or going to the West Tigers? I'm very firm on the West Tigers. What do the audience say, Brooksy? Well, it's slightly up now for the Tigers, so... 52% 52% on Twitter, 48 eels, and 62% on Instagram, and 38% eels. So little, little of a late, a bit of a late surge now for the Tigers. Okay, well, let's do this. Sport the Law on Breakfast with Bossy and Brandy. For Bryden's Lawyers, let our team of professionals help with your legal matter. Yes, Lee Hadjimatellis, the principal from Bryden's Lawyers and chairman of the West Tigers. Now, Lee, the... Punters out there suggest that if Mitchell Moses wants to win a competition soonish, he needs to go to the Tigers. How does that make you feel? Well, Joel, I should get the punters to do all my recruitment then. Yeah, should, yes. uh, get them, get them on board. Uh, no, no. Look, um, uh, very interesting times. Uh, Tim declared publicly the other day that there is interest on our part. Um, it's a matter now for Mitchell, I suppose, how much interest on his part, and if both parties are interested, something interesting could happen. So. We'll leave it there. Lee, has he toured the new Centre of Excellence? Uh, I believe uh, – I'm, I'm not I'm not, I'm not 100% certain, Brian, as to whether he has or not. Yep. Um, it's being dealt with at uh, – you know, with Tim's taking care of things at the moment. I wouldn't be surprised if he has. Uh, but I know, as, as Tim declared, there have been discussions. Where they've actually been held, I'm uncertain. Okay. Good answer. Yeah, great, great answer. Great. Oh, the Centre of Excellence, I remember when it uh, first opened – the, there was a barber shop in there. Is that is that getting uh, a bit of use, Lee? Oh, it gets a lot of use, Brian. It's used every week. Uh, I think it's a friend of Alex Twiles, in fact, that comes in once a week and cuts the boys' hair. I can't believe they have haircuts every week, but they do. Yeah, it's got to be kept as sharp as possible. Apparently, <laughs> it, uh, it aids in their performance. So, uh, so no, no, the barber shop's getting as much use as anything else in that facility. Awesome. Remember when we played, Brian? Not every game would be a TV game. So you get the, yeah. if you had a TV game. You'd most certainly get the haircut. Now, let's talk about some other sport. The tennis, Novak Djokovic picks up uh, his 22nd Grand Slam, but not without a free run. His dad caught in a Russian protest. Lee, what was your take of all of this? Oh, look, a bit a bit confusing from a legal standpoint, Joel, because I understand that the, the event organisers are very concerned, of course, about the Russian and Belarusian uh, flags and the implications of same. Uh, but he, being the father of a, uh, a, a high-profile tennis player, doesn't necessarily put him in a, in a different position to any other individual or any other citizen. And I think if they're going to be treating him differently to others, that can raise a problem from a legal standpoint. The suggestion that he was going to be banned from any future games uh, because of his engagement in that, in that, um, in that area. But, um, but as I say, if they're going to ban all, then that's fair enough. But it, it, does, it does raise a lot of other legal concerns as well because I think, as you know, there is an issue with respect to the, the flags at the, at the game. Um, they have made it very clear they don't want the Russian flags there or the Belarusian flags, but other flags are allowed. From a legal standpoint, it creates some 
discomfort on my part because we do have anti-discrimination legislation in Australia, in a, in a particular you know, Racial Discrimination Act, and it provides that it is unlawful to discriminate against a person because of their race or colour or um, national origin or ethnic origin. So if you've got two people in the stand holding virtually identical flags in terms of size, for example, and, and, and type, mm. but one's an Australian flag and one's a Russian, if you have the Russian flag removed, aren't you doing so on the basis of ethnicity? Yeah. And would that not be then prima facie a breach of the anti-discrimination legislation? Now, I know that the event organisers do vest in themselves a very wide discretion as to um, you know, what, what the public can and cannot do within their premises. But if you discriminate against someone on the basis of ethnicity, prima facie, that, that might be a problem. Yeah, and there's a problem with Usain Bolt as well. Uh, he checks his bank account, Lee, and uh, not there is what he expected. Now, apparently it was reduced from $12.8 million down to $12,000, and that would cause a lot of concern for anyone. Uh, two elements to be considered. Firstly, has there been any criminal conduct? Was the money stolen? If it was, then, of course, the police will take care of that. I understand the FBI has been engaged as well. Uh, if there has been criminal conduct, those responsible will be held criminally liable. And it's a question then as to whether he's ever going to see that money again. But let's assume that there was no criminality. It was just money poorly invested. Well, the question then is, does he have a civil suit and against whom? Well, he has a, a financial or a business manager, apparently, whom he's recently terminated. But if the business manager who owes him not only a contractual obligation to take care of his affairs, but also a fiduciary uh, responsibility, if it can be shown that he was negligent, failed to take you know all reasonable care or undertake necessary due diligence with respect to the investment of funds, then he may be able to sue the, the finance manager for recovery of those funds if he can prove in a court of law uh, negligence in the performance of his role. But it's going to depend, as I say, whether or not there is any criminality, was the man, money stolen, or is it going to be a civil suit? But at the end of the day, whether it's a criminal or a civil matter, the money can only be recovered if it's there. If that money's gone, uh, then he'll be whistling Dixie for it. Yeah, so what I was going to ask you that. So what if the business manager has uh, used it somewhere and he then declares himself bankrupt? I don't know the laws over there in Jamaica or what might be the US. What about here yeah. in Australia? If that happened here and Joel stole some money from me, mm. Um, yeah. and he couldn't pay it back, and he just declared himself bankrupt. Do I have any recourse well, look, to get it from anywhere? Uh, well, the law in Jamaica, I suspect, wouldn't be very much different to here because they would have inherited the English common law system yes. as we did. Gotcha. But it provides that you would stand in line as an unsecured creditor. If you sued him successfully and rewarded compensation, whatever that might be, the $12.8 million, and Joel doesn't have it, then you stand in line as an unsecured creditor, declares himself bankrupt. The trustee in bankruptcy would then dispose of all his assets and distribute those amongst uh, all of the, the creditors. First in line, of course, would be secured creditors, things like the banks, for example, if you've got mortgages over property. ATO gets priority, of course, any outstanding tax, employee benefits, any, any outstanding wages, for example, all these things get priority. And last in the line are the unsecured creditors, which is what you would be, hopefully of recovering, you know, five cents on the dollar. And can I ask you this? This is another question, question without notice. The civil versus criminal laws. Sometimes you see criminals uh, in a criminal court, they get off, but they win, sorry, that they lose civilly. How, how does that work? Is it two different judges or two different courts? Uh, two different courts and two, but more importantly, two different standards of proof. When you're charged with a criminal offence, the prosecutor, the police must prove the offence to the jury or to the judge 
beyond a reasonable doubt. Mm. So if the jury, for example, the judge has any doubt whatsoever, they must return a not guilty verdict. However, in a civil suit, the plaintiff, the person suing, only has to prove their case on the balance of probabilities, let's say 50-50. So even even though the jury or the judge may still have some doubt, the plaintiff can still get up on that on that benchmark. Right. So that's why you'll find that um, it's much easier to prove a civil case than a criminal case. Look at O.J. Simpson, for example. Yeah, that's what I was Found not guilty, mm. not guilty, but the family, though, uh, did sue successfully. Wow, okay. So by the court of law, they're saying, well, we can't prove. Um, he actually did that, but it's civil. But, it's, yeah. but on, on basis of probability, he probably has. Now, NRL versus the RLPA. Now, Lee, you're, where do you stand on this? Because it's a fine line between being very close to the players and being very close to the club slash NRL. Um, what's your take on this situation, the NRL versus the RLPA? I don't like to sit on the fence, Joel, but I am very sympathetic to both parties, of yep. course. We haven't heard much over the last week or so, and so I assumed that either nothing was happening or, alternatively, a lot was happening but behind closed doors. And then I saw Andrew Abdo's comments in the press yesterday, and I suspect that nothing is happening. Now, I am sympathetic to the players' claims. I mean, it, it's, it's, it goes far beyond just salary. I think the salary part of it's probably been resolved or, or easily resolvable. But they're talking about long-term benefits uh, for players, medical expenses. For the women's game, they're talking about pregnancy and maternity provision. So I'm sympathetic to all of those terms and conditions of employment. But on the other hand, it can only be achieved if it's sustainable for the game in the long term. And that's what Andrew's remarks went to yesterday about the long-term financial viability of the game. And I can't believe that it's beyond the scope of these parties to be able to determine that by sitting down together and working through the numbers. I mean, just undertake some forensic analysis, get the accounts in there and work out what can and cannot be afforded. I do understand there is some underlying tension with respect to the management of these funds. That is the suggestion that a large volume of this money would be going to the RLPA to administer, whereas the NRL is saying thank you, but no thank you. Uh, we will be controlling these funds. Again, you would think you could be able to create some sort of an advisory board where there would be representation by both parties. That's what happens in private practice in many other areas. So it shouldn't be beyond them to to achieve that either. But uh, in terms of, as I say, the numbers, the numbers are the numbers. They speak for themselves. So you should be able to work out what's affordable and what's not affordable, and they should be able to move on from there. But I was concerned. I did see a quote from uh, Clint Newton the other day suggesting that they haven't had an opportunity for an in-person meeting as yet. I, I, I would be staggered if that was right, that they haven't actually met in person, that this is all being done by way of email or correspondence. Uh, my suggestion last week on the radio was that they just lock themselves in a room for three days and do not let them out. Yep until they've resolved this. Great idea. I, th- I think you're exactly right. Let's just nip it in the bud and move on. That's the NRL taking on the RLPA. Lee Hadjimbatellis, uh, thank you so much for your time. We start the Mighty Tigers with the Titans, the Knights, then the Bulldogs. It's an important first three weeks. That kicks off on the Sunday for the West Tigers in round one. Uh, Lee, we appreciate your time and the support here on SEN. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. Vossi and Brandy here. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. Don't forget, you can listen live to the show every weekday morning from 6 till 9. Tune in through 11.70am in Sydney or anywhere in the world through the SEN app.